we already are having a hard time getting people to come to Matthew Knight, right? And it's already not a great environment for college basketball. I mean, it's a beautiful stadium really that is. is designed for more for concerts and basketball mm-hmm. games. But I just, I kind of fear this, like, this traction and this momentum that both the men's and women's programs had is just kind of like slipping away with this like bad product that we're seeing for the men's because the women's team they're losing games and i will watch them lose like they're a fun team <laughs> they to play watch. hard absolutely yeah like i enjoy watching all those games i'm sitting there watching those yesterday i'm watching cal stanford back to back like oh like yeah. and then like the blazers game came on my wife's like do you want to watch them? like i don't even fucking you know no. what I mean? Like, I don't know if I can take no. it. Luckily, luckily, that ended up being a good game. Dane scored yeah, 60. But, uh, <laughs> but I was just like, I don't know if I can handle another one of my favorite teams just kind of like getting like, yeah. blown out of the water by an inferior opponent. So fantastic, better not catch you lacking. Back to back like traffic, got that jumper pattern in my starter jacket. Hello and welcome to the Flock Pod. We are at hashtag 140 here in beautiful Chopper Base. The Avatarier producers are doing who knows what out in the living room, probably chewing on a bone or something like that. If you'd be so kind, please go find us on all of your major podcast streaming platforms at the Flock Pod. Make sure to get that subscribe button smash. You get that fresh flockness in your feed. Make sure you give us those five star ratings. And if you do write a review along with those five star ratings, you will get read right here on the podcast one star two stars nope not having it don't even do those just 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 walk away no need to spread hate or anything of that nature if you don't like us don't listen you know no big deal also if you'd please be so kind go find us on all of your major social media platforms at the flock pod you can find me at coach justin d on those same platforms shay tell them where you are you can find me at bartender shane six on twitter and at walk a flock of shane six on instagram We have got a jam-packed pod for you as much as we can have a jam-packed pod for you here at the end of January. Things are getting a little thin out there for the duck tent, but uh, we're excited. We got some some fun things to talk about here. We got some some football up here at the top, and then it's going to be a pretty basketball-heavy podcast after that. But I just want to jump in first. Uh, This is another big commitment, another transfer portal commitment, Shane, uh, bringing in former Ole Miss safety Taishim Johnson, former four-star recruit. He's kind of like a nickel corner, nickel safety. I haven't had too much of a chance to dive into his film or anything of that nature. Have you watched uh, a lot of – did you watch a lot of Ole Miss or did you watch any of his highlights yet? Uh, I watched like zero Ole Miss, although I do love those – powder blue powder blues baby (laughs) that's probably like one of my favorite sec schools just because of that it just looks so good on tv but i did catch a little bit of his highlights and i was happy with what i saw considering what the secondary really needed it was interesting to see another safety get brought in through the portal when evan williams just did but i kind of have that feeling that evan williams thing is going to be a little bit more of a a legacy transfer than it really is oh interesting a big playmaker just because the way that the roster is kind of shaping up at this point, there's still opportunity for some guys on the roster to, to leave. That's definitely still an option, but, um, but yeah, so watching, watching his tape, he's big, he's physical and he made a lot of solo tackles. I think he had more tackles last season than any other or than any current, any player on Oregon's roster next year that was on last year's roster. Something I saw from Zach Neal. 
yeah, it was it was it was good to see just because it was it was exactly what the secondary needed. You know, short clips that I saw. Yeah, it looks like he's going to be more of a nickel safety, and that's where I think this doesn't necessarily affect the Evan Williams commitment because I think he's more of a free safety, more of an over top. So this is going to be more of a position of need, I think, for the Ducks. And again, just more depth, more and more depth to a position of need, a position that was obviously not in shambles last season, but just in it need need some help, need need some well, help here around the edges for sure. I, and I think a player like this is going to help bring out some of the skills that some of those other guys have. I think that they were getting asked to do a lot of things that was kind of outside of their wheelhouse last year. And uh, I mean, we did see improvements in tackling from a lot of the guys, especially on the outside. But still, just having having this type of presence where, you know, he's he's squaring up when the tackles and he's really seeking out contact. He's going through blocks to make plays in the backfield. And that's going to be big with a lot of like the screen game that we see in the Pac-12. 100%. So then it'll kind of like those guys who are a little bit smaller can just buzz around and be fast, be ball hockey. And yep. I think that that's we're going to see huge improvements from them just being more inside their roles. I think that's a really good point. I mean, asking these guys to do what they're good at and allowing them to just do what they're good at and not ask them to do more is a great way to bring out more potential and just to make players feel more confident while they're out there on the football field. Uh, with what you said in mind, 125 tackles, eight tackles for loss, a pick, and a sack in two years there at the old Miss squad playing for good old Lane Kiffin. So we're excited to see what Tysheem Johnson can do here in a University of Oregon uniform. A couple other players that this we are very excited to see what they can do in a University of Oregon uniform. Got some uh, got some honors here lately. The McDonald's All-American honors came out. We've got two, potentially three, potentially three Oregon Ducks uh, on that list. We've got Kwame Evans and Mookie Cook, uh, who are already committed to the Ducks. And then, of course, Bronny James was also selected for that game, and he recently put Oregon in his top three. Shane, does when a player gets named McDonald's All-American, does it mean anything to you anymore? I, I think so. I mean, it's there's – I'm sure we probably talk about it in a second, but there's a name that I felt was missing from this list. And yes. A lot of people's perception of this list was that Bronny – is put on there kind of more because of who he is and who his father is. I don't, I don't know enough about that really. You know, I've seen some clips of Bronny play. I've seen a couple games of him. I think he's a really good basketball player. It's just, it's really hard when you're watching high school games because there's two to four, you know, really good high school players on every, every team that we're watching. And I, I used to really value the McDonald's game. Uh, when I was younger, especially like going through high school and I followed high school ball a lot more. Yep. Uh, and then the dunk contest, I always felt like the McDonald's dunk contest was better than any other dunk contest because the, the rules were stripped back a little bit. Just a bunch of people in a gym. It's kind of you take away that whole TNT showmanship vibe. Yep. Plus, they're just creative and there's nobody more confident on this planet than a McDonald's All-American basketball player or a like a college cornerback, you know, I mean? those are like the <laughs> most confident people on this planet. Uh, so that always like brings an extra step to the dunk contest. But yeah, I, I, I do think that there's something to it. I think it means something to be to be honored amongst your peers, you know, amongst the, the other high school players. I actually look at the Jordan brand a little bit more. I think the roster that means the most though, is that hoop summit roster. I think those are the, those are the games, the, the, I mean, 
being here in Oregon, definitely we should go this year, by the yeah. way. But yeah, being here in Oregon, I think that makes it give the game mean a little bit more to me. But I think you've seen just more success and more players come off those rosters, you know, really play at a college level and then also making it to the NBA. But you you prefaced it here. Jackson Shellstad not included on this list. A lot of people thought he should have still waiting on that five star or that fifth star. Snubbed is a, is, a, is a tough word. Again, you mentioned, you know, a couple players, you know, Bronny James in particular, maybe just getting on this team as kind of a legacy pick. I like this. I actually think this is good because I think it just is going to make that chip on his shoulder that much bigger. And if I've, I've watched a little bit of Bronny this year, I've watched some Jackson. I haven't been able to see him live yet. That's one of my goals before the end of the high school basketball season is to make it to a West Lynn game just to see him live and see what he you can just see more when you see a player play live, obviously. I, I think this is good. I think this is good. I think it's only going to make him work harder. You think Dana Altman called him up like, hey. Don't worry about, about it. How about you leave the kid off? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like that angle, too. There's, uh, there's a little bit of Peyton Pritchard in this kid, and I need him to not be a little too big for his britches year yes. one. You know what I'm talking about? Like, I like that. I like that angle a lot. Dana behind the scenes playing a little magician. <laughs> That's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah, See, I don't did... know. I'll go ahead. It, 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 yeah, to say snubbed, it, it's hard. Again, I just prefaced this with like, we don't really know enough about these kids, to, you know, and he might have been, you know, the first name left off. But it, it is cool to see that this this local kid, you know, kind of following that Peyton Pritchard uh, formula, at least be in that in that conversation this time. I think I think that that is really cool that, you know, because going into this season, it was, you know, he's going to Oregon. It was the, the Peyton Pritchard comps. But over the last, like, two months, his national pedigree has grown oh a lot gosh. with, you know, the win over Sierra Canyon, the win over uh, – who they beat in the championship. I think it's Duncanville from Texas is was the right, name. Right, something like that. Oh, that was the number one team at the time. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so, yeah, those, those two big wins. And just to see now that, like, there was, like, you know, I don't want to say it, social media outrage, but there was a lot of people out there, like, how was he not an All-American? I think going into the season – if we would have said, do you think J- Jackson Shell said we'd be an All-American? would be like, eh, the other way, especially with the bias that the national, and I mean, mm-hmm. maybe that was what led into it was, you know, Oregon high school basketball not having a shot clock and being kind of overlooked. Well, Pacific Northwest as a whole, really, but yeah. Absolutely, which will change next year. Shout out to the OSAA for finally changing that and bringing in the shot clock to Look. high school basketball long enough yeah for real for real a lot of coaches gonna be uh well anyway we won't we won't go down that road i was gonna i was gonna be mean uh on the women's <laughs> side we have a mcdonald's all-american also local product uh jesuit product sophia bell selected uh this is another player that i haven't had a chance to see play live yet she she's on my radar definitely want to make it to a jesuit game before the end of the season uh, which is hard for me to say i hated Jesuit. i went to aloha high school so jesuit is just like the evil empire basically them in central catholic <laughs> I've, I've always been fairly like anti just the whole private school tilt just because a they can pick players from your team which yeah. happened to us and then b like when you're warming up and you just see all their gear you're just, fuck, you feel so defeated already like it's such like psychological warfare when they just have all the coolest <laughs> shit and you're like it really is you're looking around like your like, willamette high school reversible pennies and we're like dude we look like 
scrubs. <laughs> <laughs> They've all got trainers up in the, the gym watching them play and everything yeah. else. Yeah, it's different. So I don't have a whole lot to add, but shout out to Sophia, you know, for getting that and getting those honors. Great to see a local product. Again, get those honors. We would have loved to see two, but that's okay. Again, that chip only going to get bigger on Mr. Shellstad's shoulder. Let's go ahead and jump back over here to football one last time before we finish out the podcast. Pretty hoops heavy. 2024 three-star edge Jackson Jones decommitted from Washington and then immediately scheduled a visit to Oregon, something you love to see. So he is going to be in town this weekend with other high-level targets like Nichols Harbor. If you want the full list of those commits that are going to be here, you can always go check out ducswire.usatoday.com. What a great website. This is big. I think anytime, you know, a commit says no to Washington, then immediately turns to Oregon, even if that player to me, it doesn't turn out being a big time player. Just the fact that they just gave a middle finger to Washington and immediately turned to Oregon. Hey, even if they don't go to Oregon, you know, just high. Exactly. Yes. Players <laughs> just not going to Washington I'm here cool. for petty season. I'm here for it. <laughs> Did you see uh, the photos that were circulating last week of one of the recruits? I can't remember his name. I didn't write it down, but he was taking photos and he had the green helmet with the yellow the face, yellow mask face mask. Yeah. Some of those combos they've been showing and those have been fantastic. Absolutely. You know, I love a yellow, you know, I love oh, a yellow. Yeah. so that was, that was speaking to me for sure. Yeah, that's been one of the best parts, actually, of seeing the the visits and seeing the pictures come out of just been the different uniform combos and the stuff they're throwing at the kids. To, I wonder if they let the kids basically choose. You know, I'd be really curious to get uh, an inside. That's, a, you know, Zach Neal, if you're listening, that's an article we need. <laughs> I want I want an article that goes through a, a visit. You know what I mean? Like all the ins and outs of what a recruits visit looks like to the school, like what it looks like the couple of weeks leading up to it, what it's like when they're here, what it's like after they leave the follow-up, that would be a really cool article or a really cool, like little vlog or something of that nature. If one of their recruits allowed it to happen. Right. Yeah. Cause I mean, we see some photos on the, you know, the throne uh, yes. chair, whatever you yes. want to call it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the on the field ones, even then that, like the one with the umbrella that uh, we saw last week, yeah. like the jump man <laughs> with the umbrella. Yeah. So, I mean, there, there's obviously a lot of like creative input going into that. And I'm sure they have people kind of like, I'm sure it's a choose your own adventure situation. Like, That's what I mean. Are they, sent, are they sent like basically like a three page little booklet and they get to like check off what they want to do What they, I think I'm just, I'm curious. I, I think that'd be really fascinating. In fact, Zach, don't do that. I want to do that. I think that'd be really fun. So <laughs> we got to try to, we got to find a, find a recruit that's willing to talk to us low lives here at the flock pod. <laughs> <laughs> Um, hey, there's, there's a punter out there might want to get hey, some, some be, press out there that would be great that would be very unless they just unless us. they just heard that and they were like or a long hey, snapper no, fuck you guys <laughs> get a long snapper. yeah that'd be fantastic uh anything else to add on jackson jones no no it's just uh it's cool to see all these big names still coming in uh, you know yeah. it's uh dan landing man he's good at this He's very good at this. And again, just filling the weekends. I think that's like we've talked about in the past, filling the weekends. Who knows? I don't know if Jackson Jones knows Nicole's Harbor. Maybe they end up being best friends by the end of the weekend. And that's why they both want to come to Oregon. And those things are important. You know, the the inter interworkings and stuff like that as a, on a social level. So that's, like, that's good to see. You'd say team chemistry like improves wins and losses. You know, I would Shane, you know, I would. And we're going to, that's a, that's a segue. If we were going to talk about the men's hoops team, that would be an absolutely perfect segue, but I want to talk about the women first because by golly, they're just, well, I mean, it's not saying much, but they're in a better position right now than the men. So the women looking at 13 and six overall four and four in conference, uh, seventh in the standings. 
really, really tough loss to the Oregon State Beavers. This has been, it's been an up and down season for Kelly. I want to throw this to you first, Shane, just to kind of give your overall feelings on this game and just kind of where this team is at right now. Yeah, this game was tough just because they dug themselves such a hole early. And a lot of it just came down to missing shots that they normally make. Grace Van Sluten had a very frustrating game. Three points, three boards, three points. Wow. There's there's so much that I like about her game. So many facets with the ball, without the ball, defensively. Like I just think she's so ahead of time with where she's already at when she walked on campus. The biggest critique that I've had recently, though, is... I've never seen somebody get their shot blocked more. And I don't know exactly, you know, what that is, if that's just protecting the shot as you go up, if she's looking to draw contact. Early in the year, she was getting to the free throw line quite a bit. That slowed down considerably. I don't know if it's teams kind of figuring her out. She was being guarded by, uh, what's her name, Mitrovic quite a bit, who is a baller. Yeah, Um, she's a load in there. Yeah, Oregon State has a real one with her, and she's just improved a lot from last year. That whole Oregon State team is really good, though. I I like what they're doing there. Yeah, really good, good coach. Touch. They're scrappy. He's. It's interesting, though, because I don't know how tall he is, but, boy, does he look tiny in that huddle. Like, they do have a big team, but it's just so strange. He's just like this this little tiny guy in there. Have we seen him and Mick Cronin in the same room at the same time? <laughs> oh, God. I know, right? They look like – my wife loves this show on Netflix about these, like, uh, real estate guys in, like – I think they're in Los Angeles or something, but they're, like, these twins and they're, like, these little tiny guys. And I think that – they might actually be those two. I think that might be quadruplets. Um, but the other thing that I noted in this that I noticed in this game was some of the lineups. Um, in the past couple wins, Kelly Graves had been going smaller quite a bit. Uh, part of that was due to Filipina Shea getting hurt in the last game. She bonked her nose, no foul call, but had a concussion and uh, what looked like a broken nose at the time. But so they went kind of small and they were going with either Van Sluten at center or sometimes going with Taya Hansen and Hosendove as the bigs and just kind of running this five out thing as we talked about in the last episode. And this game, I know a lot of it was due to the matchup with Oregon State being a bigger team, but they, they really got away from that. And it for a while, it just created this kind of like mismashy where they were trying to force the ball in low, but the bigs weren't scoring. So then the guards were kind of doing their own thing. And then the bigs, it seems like we're kind of getting frustrated because they weren't getting the ball. At one point, we saw Philly Shea. I saw we posted it on the Flock Twitter page, clapping her hands trying to get the ball on the inside. And while I love whatever you want to call it, the the gusto to you know try and get the ball, at the same time it was kind of like it just had kind of a weird vibe. And then they they settled into it late, although they did kind of go with smaller lineups. And that was when you saw that kind of comeback happen near the end. When I think Filipina Che getting into foul trouble early on in the game changed the the dynamic there in that, especially near the end of the second quarter, going into the third quarter. And GVS only having three points and three points, we can't that can't be overstated. I mean, she's been an offensive, you know, stalwart for this team so far. She Chance Gray. And five, yeah. yeah, Chance Gray trying to pick it up, you know, 18 points, hit a absolute miracle three-point shot, hit a couple other great shots. She's really, really fun to watch. And the, the duck, I mean, they were st- with all of what we just said, they were in this game and honestly probably, sh- I mean, should have tied this game and sent it to overtime with Rogers, just heartbreaking miss there at the end. And we've all missed that layup. If oh. you've ever played hoop in your life, you've missed that, especially when you get the perfect split, you get the crossover, your footwork is perfect. You go up and you're almost like in this flow state and you just put a little too much spin on the ball. I'm a hundred percent convinced if she would have been contested, that would have went in. She was too open. That was what we're like. You go up with the left and then you take your steps and you're like, 
no fucking way am I just all by myself. You know what I mean? Like nobody came over. And that's when you always like, you think about it like, oh, like this is too easy. And then when you have yeah. that thought, that's always when you flip it over the rim. Absolutely. that funny. Well, and even after that, the only one made free throw for the Beavers come down. Kelly draws up a great play. Uh, I don't know. I call him a scissor screen. I only call it an elevator if it's going up through the middle of the key, but just a nice, you know, starts out of the box, runs a double scissor, bringing somebody down to the deep corner, then brings opposite there to the wing. Chance Gray just about got that shot off, but it was a great defensive play. I'm not sure which Oregon State Beaver blocked that. But again, if Chance makes that, I mean, it's another tie game right there. So just, just a great battle. And I was telling Miga as we were watching it, these teams have played, I mean, out of the last 20 games, I would say 10 to 15 have been this type of game. You, isn't that the kind of feel? I mean, I, I didn't look back, but that's just the feel that I have. This has really turned into a really good rivalry. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Over the years, it's it's been it's always a closer game than than we think it's going to be. And that's kind of been this Oregon women's team season, though, is just good, solid wins and completely heartbreaking losses, Yeah, which it does give me a little bit of optimism moving forward because when you lose these type of games and nationally, I know they kind of fell off the rankings a little bit because a few losses in a row here, but nationally team, they're not looking at Oregon state and, you know, Arizona state as these, you know, powerhouse programs, but these outskirt teams in the pac 12 are still loaded with talent. I mean, still Taya Hansen just came from Arizona state. And I mean, I'm just, I'm blown away with how good and how well she fits into our team, any team, you know what I mean? Oh yeah. She's just, she, she just brings that like elbows, edge. man. Yeah, elbows. And, she doesn't, and she doesn't have to do anything. That's what, that's what uh, I love about her. It's just, there's great. like, there's a presence about her that like, all right, if shit goes down, this is the person who you are going to be answering to. She was a big part of that comeback. Hit a couple she, big threes, was playing great defense, undersized, was battling down there. Absolutely battling. So giving that up six comeback, or seven inches. The, the lineup on the floor during the comeback at the end. So, with four minutes left in the third quarter, uh, he went with Rogers, Pow Pow, Gray, Hosendove, and Hanson. They started to play a little bit better at that time, but then that comeback lineup was Pow Pow, Rogers, Gray, um, Hanson, and then GVS at the five. Mm-hmm. And that's where <clears throat> I almost was kind of thinking that the best way for Kelly to approach moving forward would be, and it pains me to say it because I think she's such a great player, but I think she has a long time to score a lot of points here at Oregon is put GVS on the bench, start Philly at the five, and bring have GVS first off the bench. Uh, bring Philly off, and you can kind of morph these lineups. Put Ted in there at the, at the four, and then you can kind of mess with the versatility as the game goes on. But I think having these kind of like standardized lineups and... This, is, this goes against Kelly's DNA. He likes playing two bigs. And I, I still, I don't know about you, but I still have a hard time watching this team and just not envisioning Sedona Prince in the middle and just how different this team would look. Because again, his whole offense philosophy, his defensive philosophy is revolved around those two bigs on offense, the high, low game, the double pick and roll, all the things that he likes to run. It's, it's tough as a coach to, and this will be an interesting opportunity for him to pivot and see how he pivots and see if he does. And if he doesn't take that opportunity to see how it affects this team's success moving forward. Yeah. And especially watching that last game, they were getting Filipina Shea really involved with triple handoffs and kind of bringing her outside the block and then trying to get her the ball going downhill or at least getting her a different angle to start getting seals on the inside, which her footwork on the inside, just another week where she just made a huge improvement. I don't know. At at this rate, she's going to be a WNBA MVP. uh, If she can keep adding something just week by week to her game. 
but yeah, I, I think that you're absolutely right. Like when I watched games like that, I'm just like, wow, this whole game plan was designed around Sedona Prince. And I've, yep. I've noticed that multiple times this year. And she just would have been the absolute missing link to a lot of these players. I mean, oh, yeah. adding another shooter, adding a mid-range shooter. Like if they would have had Sedona Prince in that game, the way that Filipina Shea was being guarded by Mitrovic, like if that was Sedona Prince, she would have had like 38 points. Yeah. And not to mention just another body. That's something we haven't Mm -hmm. talked about with this team is they're just, they're so short benched having another big and another competent body at that would just add so much to this team. So I give it up to Kelly to have this team fight and to have this team in position that it is, you know, and I said, they're in a better position than the men, you know, the men are sixth in the standings, women are seventh, but I feel a lot more optimistic about this women's team than I do about this men's team. Uh, we've got uh, next few games for the Oregon's women's team at Cal Thursday at 7 p.m. and then at number three Stanford on Sunday. So get that split. That's going to be a big one. <laughs> get that well, split, I mean, ladies. <laughs> and that's just—it's just, just going to be such a good learning experience for this team too. Yep. Like that—that that first time for a lot of these players at Stanford is going to be a big one. And I mean, Stanford has looked a little bit more beatable this year than last year. But at the same time, it's a powerhouse. And I think that women's college basketball is, at this point, it's about three schools and then everybody else. When it's like, who guards Brink? Hanson? Uh, yeah, that's a good point. That's brutal. (laughs) GDS can't do it. She's not not swift enough laterally. Yeah, Philly, I guess. They're probably just going to have to throw the kitchen sink at her. It's going to have to be zone. It's going to have to just be a really aggressive zone. But then you got Haley Jones. Yeah. So you're in zone. She's just going to run the middle. She's going to get like a triple double. Yeah. It's not what you want. But yeah, look forward to that game on Sunday. We'll definitely be watching. All right. We talked about this men's team. They are 11 and nine overall, five and four in conference, sixth in the Pac 12 standings, beating Cal 87 to 58. And then just awful, awful game of basketball that I couldn't finish. Uh, Lost to Stanford 64 to 71. I mean, that Cal game wasn't a fucking great watch either. At least they shot the ball better and their defense, their rotations in, were there. Only in the last like 10 minutes and they benefited from Cal missing like a thousand open shots. Oh, absolutely. But they still shot almost 60% from the floor. I mean, that's that's a, that's a miracle for this Oregon team to but be able they to were do something at, like that. And they were a balanced scoring team, which was fun to watch. Yeah, it was all the second half, though. The first half was like one of the worst things. Like... It was ugly. I don't know. Oh, yeah. I get you. I feel yeah, you. Both I of them were you. bad. It just, it seemed like once Cal kind of gave up, like, you know, because they were, they were in it for a little bit. And then you could see once they kind of had that 11 point lead for a while and they stretched it like 14 at one point, that's when Cal really kind of was like, eh, okay, we're done in this one. And then Oregon was like, rack up the stats, baby, garbage yeah. time. <laughs> when Cal saw their fifth fan leave the arena, they knew that it was time for the game to be over. <laughs> is, is that the worst gym to yeah. watch a game on TV? Oh, and that's the stupid angle that they use. It's awful. It's terrible. And there's nobody in the gym. I mean, well, it's even just if, it, like you buy a front row seat. You're still like, oh, I see what you're saying. Even if you're sitting there live. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, like TV, like, I mean, just the whole, the whole, the whole thing, experience. Watching, like, it's just the bad. Front row is like 10 feet up above the bench. Yeah. <laughs> and so you're like, I don't even know, like if that's a good ticket, you know what I mean? I'd rather be like six <laughs> rows behind that and have like a little bit better vantage point. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. And then, yeah, the loss to Stanford, just an awful game. I mean, they've got a sickness going through the locker room. Uh, you know, I wrote here in the notes that Dana's going to have to drive home from Berkeley 
to be able to forget these few games here just because he needs that long of a drive. But it's like the episode of Ted Lasso and Coach Beard is like, I'm finding my own way home. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> he needs one of those nights. He needs one of those nights. Uh, the rotations are awful, Shane. There's there's no communication. There's no trust. There's there's pointing. There's it's it's bad. It, it, it was really, really bad to watch. I feel for Will Rich. He's out there. He's playing hard, and he just seems like he's doing all he can, making some great passes. His his vision, I think, has really improved this year uh, with the right and the left hand, being able to make some of those one-handed swing passes. But no offensive flow in the second half whatsoever. Just absolutely gross. Just gross basketball. Just really, really gross basketball. I don't know what you got to add. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they you know they they said that there was a what was it strep throat going around the team, some sickness. Um, I couldn't remember what it was. Yeah. I think it was stripped through. Uh, but Quincy Garrier like stayed in the hotel during warmups. They were saying on the broadcast should have stayed home. Right. <laughs> like they would have been, they were so better bad. with that version of Quincy Garrier. Like, he and then he so played bad. like significant minutes. That yeah. was the, like the weird Dana trust him. Dana trust him for some weird reason. And him Lock and source. Yeah. Lock war is just sitting right there. Who's being like, I'm really just going to get seven minutes. And he plays harder than like damn near anybody on the team. Yep. He also turns the ball over probably three times a minute, but, <laughs> but he at, plays hard at <laughs> this point. I just want to see guys out there like giving it, you know yeah, what I mean? Like totally. Cause yeah, that's one of the who cares. The hardest things about this team is like, especially defensively in that game against Stanford, it's just a complete lack of effort. Yep. Uh, that one play that, uh, that we posted on the flock pod Twitter page where Quincy Gary is coming down he notices he doesn't have the right guy. He's looking at Will Rich and he's oh, like, is nobody? Yeah. Or yeah, Soros. Yeah, Soros, sorry. Yeah. Uh, looking around that he's like, you know, who's going to come up and like, how are we going to like trap the ball in this guy's hands? Toasted. And then he just three dribble right hand. He doesn't even like change direction. He didn't know. And Dante shoulders. was there. All Dante had to do was step over and he was just late. They just looked exhausted. And I don't know if that's sickness. I don't know if that's just, you know, that we're getting into the dog days of the season. You know, I don't know if it's a strength and conditioning thing where they need to reschedule when they're lifting or something, but yeah, they did not have the legs. I mean, they played okay in the first half. They played like a team that was, that was in it. But then that second half Stanford just ran them over. Well, and it's just like the basketball gods just really fucking hate this team. Like <laughs> They don't praise the gods, Shane. They don't praise the gods. They don't do the little things. I mean, you're right. That first half, they did play okay. And it wouldn't have been – I mean, they still could have even been in that game late in the first half if they would have made three threes and not Absolutely. one. You know yeah. what I mean? And, like, that would have been a difference of, you know, nine points there. And that's a huge – that's what we're talking about in these games is just them being, like, down nine, 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 11 points, and then all of a sudden the game's over. But I mean, there is there's some things that I like about this team. I mean, obviously over that weekend, and for some reason, that Northern California trip is always kind of a tough one to win both. It's true. Whatever reason that is, because those mm -hmm. teams are atrocious right now. But with Cousinard back, Bartholomew back, Will Bartholomew. Richardson is I know I like both those guards so much. And I kind of want to see them do a three guard lineup. <sighs> you, you what are you what are you looking at? I like JC on offense. You don't like Cousinard, huh? I don't really care for him on defense. I think he's a fake hustle guy on defense from what I've seen. Ooh, fake hustle guy. I'm going to pay attention to that. I haven't noticed that as much. He he has made a couple questionable like uh charge attempts. Yep. That's that's a, that's what I'm talking about. A couple couple steal attempts where he completely takes himself out of the play. I used to watch this, you know, I have this old Roy Williams coaching DVD where he's talking about how you know how to coach his defense. And he tells his players, you know, if you ever run by and don't get the steal, when you come back to the huddle, I will shoot you. 
And so just every time I see that, I just think about that. I'm just like, I'm going to shoot you, man. Stop doing that. Quisenard, Jiminy, Christmas. He gets a couple of them, but I just, he just, he hustles, but it's, it's not smart hustle. I mean, there was a basic rotation on the strong side several times that he just straight up missed. And so it's, it's just, it's, it's, he's better on the ball and he's better like one off the ball, but in those rotations, he just seems like he gets lost. Hmm. I'm gonna. I'm definitely gonna keep a closer eye on that. Yeah, but I do. Yeah. You, I mean, you said you liked what you brought. What he brings I like to the it on offense because he's a great ball guy. handler. Yeah, makes, he's got that dog. Mm-hmm. And it seems like his his misses, his three misses, always look like they're gonna go in, uh, which I appreciate. I don't feel the same about Rivaldo Soros, Quincy Guerrero, a few other players <laughs> on this team, uh, even like Biddle sometimes. But yeah, so we've oh. seen like the the two bigs in the starting lineup, and I kind of like to see them go to like a a smaller lineup with more guards. I don't know if that means removing, moving Soros to the four in the starting lineup. If he has to, since I guess he has to start, it's like written in his contract that he must start every game, no matter how poorly he plays. It's like I told um, you in text, man, he's got to be a great practice guy. He's got to yeah, be a guy just when the lights be. come on. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I like his frame, you know, I like the long arms and stuff, but he's just like, like Zach said, it's like, 80% he does everything well. And then that last 20%, he just can't get it done. So I was kind of thinking to get the three guards in that lineup and then have Brennan be the first guard off the bench. Uh, Brennan Rigsby. Cause I, for some reason his playing time has really slipped, but I think that he plays really hard defense. I like him in the top of the zone. I like him when they press and he's obviously the best shooter and he can actually make free throws, which is another yeah. thing that we don't, they've been so bad at free throws for so long now that we don't even talk about it anymore. I think one of the things we're seeing from this team is this de- this defense that Dana likes to run is not easy to teach. Mm-hmm. And I think this team is just taking a lot longer to get it than other teams. And I think when you when you reach a point of frustration on the defensive side, it does affect you on the offensive side. It's impossible for it not to. I mean, they shot 38% against Stanford, 33% from behind the arc. This is not a good shooting team. And I think that is a byproduct of this team not trusting itself on defense because it doesn't doesn't completely know it. You've, I've even seen him completely go away from him just playing straight man more often than mm-hmm. I've ever seen. I've seen him get rid of his pinwheel offense and just go straight dribble drive more than I've ever seen. So, I mean, Dana's trying different things. He's obviously reached a breaking point with this particular team that for whatever reason, I mean, we say in Dana we trust, but this this one looks like it's gotten away from him. Yeah, and I mean, what happened to the post-entry pass too? Like that's yeah. the that's the other thing that that uh, it, it's really hard watching this team. And I know you're you're teasing me into I'm saying trying. I'm, gonna, I'm trying. <laughs> I'm going to say it. <laughs> so I mentioned it's been so many years now of this team being poor at free throws that we don't even talk about it. I think we're also reaching another point where this team's chemistry has been so bad now since like the Dylan Brooks era. Yeah, DB. That it, I feel like something has to be done about Dana Allman. And I don't know if that's somebody coming up to him and being like, yo, we need to like rehaul the way we're doing this. Or if he needs to take a vacation and kind of like screw his mind back on. Right. But it just seems like he's been stuck in this frustrating situation for so long now that he doesn't really know what to do with it. And I think he's being accustomed. He's grown accustomed to his team, not really liking each other, whether or not that's, you know, off the court, we don't know. Maybe they, maybe they all love each other. They hang out constantly, but when they're on the court, there's so much bad body language stuff that I kind of feel like it would, I wouldn't be as upset 
if Oregon decided to, to go another way with their head coach at this point, as I would have been two years ago. Cause we were looking at some of these rosters with so much optimism. And like last year, we're like, how is this team so good, but can't win any games Next this year, they, you know, add a couple pieces and they address some of the issues that they had. Will Richardson comes back, takes a lot of accountability, becomes a better leader. And we're still just kind of seeing the same thing. And, we might be blowing up this weekend and, you know, maybe these guys were really sick and them being out on the court was a heroic performance. That's still a possibility. Absolutely. But just watching it sometimes over the course of the season, there's just been so many games where like as they lose, you know, nobody's picking each other up. They're not just fighting hard to the very end. They're kind of going through the motions. And I kind of fear that Dana Altman's doing that same thing. I think if this team had been healthy all year and was at this position, I'd be willing to jump on that choo-choo train with you. But I think this team still has a little bit of a scapegoat that they can use because of those injuries, because of how important that installment time is for Dana and these other mm -hmm. coaches. So I'm going to, I'm not going to completely dismiss your take, but I'm going to say that Dana needs to bring in a new assistant coach. I think, I think this is an interesting byproduct of, of the attrition that his coaching staff has you know, suffered over the last few years, in particular, Tony Stubblefield going to DePaul, I think was a really, really big, was it, it's DePaul, right? Yeah. Uh, was sure. a really, it was a really big loss. And I think that DePaul. it's, I think it's showing, and I've been worried for years now that he's going to lose Mike Menenga. And I think if he does lose Mike, then it's even more decimated. And I don't know the guys as well that he's brought in, but I just think that it's, I think bringing in some fresh blood under that coaching staff in one form or another is going to be a really good opportunity. And I think next season, if that team is healthy and we're in this position again, right here, I will, I will jump on that train with you, brother. And we'll be, we'll be throwing coal in that engine to get it going as fast as possible to pick up as many passengers as we can, because that team next year, and just, you know, you got to think Biddle comes back. I think it, that's I think at this point where comes back, I'd, would be shocked if he went to the league. And so then now, I mean, you've got, you've got the buildings of something there with those two bigs and then building around with all those freshmen that he's got coming in next year. He's got no excuses. He's got yeah, no I excuses next year. I don't want to make it sound like I'm, you know, like let's pitch fork in it. Like, let's get this guy out of town. I just think it's something to address that. Like mm -hmm. it's been, we have a large sample size now of, you know, this, if we want to call it the Will Richardson era or what it is, that this team has had these just kind of like glaring holes in this personality department. Yep. And I'm not saying that I, I think Dana Altman's a great coach. He's obviously still doing a good job recruiting. We have two all Americans, potentially three being LeBron James son coming in next year. So like <laughs> the, the staff is doing their jobs. Yep. It's just, it's really hard when you watch this product and we already are having a hard time getting people to come to Matthew Knight. Right. Oh my and God. It's already not a great environment for college basketball. I mean, it's a beautiful stadium really that is. is designed for more for concerts and basketball mm -hmm. games. But I just I kind of fear this like this traction and this momentum that both the men's and women's programs had is just kind of like slipping away with this like bad product that we're seeing from the men's because the women's team, they're losing games. And I will watch them lose. Like they're a fun team. <laughs> they to play watch. hard, absolutely. Yeah. Like I enjoy watching all those games. I'm sitting there watching those yesterday and watching Cal Stanford back to back. Like 
Ugh, like yeah. and then like the Blazers game came on. My wife's like, Do you want to watch? I'm like, I don't even fucking know. You know no. what I mean? Like, I don't know if I can take no. luckily, luckily that ended up being a good game. Dane scored yeah, 60. But Dane uh, went off. <laughs> but I was just like, I don't know if I can handle another one of my favorite teams just kind of like getting yeah. like blown out of the water by an inferior opponent. Yeah. All right, to wrap this up, does this team still win the Pac 12 tournament? I I'm still there. You're still just there. Because, okay. Yeah, yeah. I like I said, it's it. it I'm always looking for a team kind of in the middle of the pack that's kind of underachieved to make a run in the conference tournament. I mean, hell, they were talking, you know, in the broadcast about Cal or Stanford making a run in the the conference tournament just because of kind of the issues they had. I think the Pac-12 has like 10 or 11, like pretty good teams if you took them and you put them in a, a different conference for basketball. So, yeah, I mean, I think that they can go and put four or five wins together to end like, you know, with the end of the season bleeding into the the tournament. And as long as Washington State takes care of like UCLA or something like that in some weird matchup, then, you know, the opens chips the door. could fall. Yeah. yeah, absolutely opens the door. All right, let's jump to last take, Shane. We've reached that point. What do you got for us? Last take. My last take, and it's a spicy one for you and I, is am I pulling for the San Francisco 49ers to win the Super Bowl at this point? Oh, a man. team that I just absolutely despise, but because of this reason, Diamador Lenore is a player that we've kind of not really talked about enough in the Him NFL. So well, like against, like we talked about him. I think it was a little bit last week because he had the matchup with DK. But like as the season went on, we talked about Holland, Sewell, obviously Herbert, and all these guys. And I feel like he's kind of the one who slipped in between the cracks. And he's still like you know multiple playoff interceptions. He's going up against teams' best players. I like the the Purdy story. I despise the franchise, but then I think you said it too. You were a 49er fan growing up. I was. Yeah, I was a big 49er fan growing up. And there's still like a little, little, there's a little tiny, little tiny piece. I think I've reached the point now with the NFL playoffs where I can kind of disassociate myself from rooting for a team per se and just root for good football and root for individual players. Like I'll be rooting for Christian McCaffrey. I'll be rooting for Jalen Hurts. I'll be rooting for Jamar Chase. You know, I'll be rooting for these players that have won me fantasy championships in the past for sure. Are you a Burrow guy? I like Burrow, but I've I've never I've never had him on one of my fantasy football rosters. And so I've never like rooted for him in that per se. But I think what he's doing is incredibly impressive. And the the manner in which that he's doing it is makes it that much more impressive that he's embodied this Joe Cool persona. And I don't I don't know if the Peyton Manning comparisons are apt, but he's an incredible processor. He's a good quarterback. He obviously elevates the entire roster that's around him. I mean, it's the freaking Bengals, man. This is back-to-back years at the Bengals. The Bengals are in the AFC championship game. So it's that alone is impressive. And their coach, their Zach Taylor, does not get nearly enough praise. So I again I'm just I'm rooting for good football. I don't I think if I had to pick, you know, if I were to gamble on these games this weekend i think i'm going Bengals eagles i i think i'd go niners Bengals. interesting just because of the yeah. mahomes injury i bet yeah fucking i bet the chiefs to win it all like the oh, day before mahomes uh, i mean he could go out and have a heroic effort he's not walking he around with a boot for sure but i think that's also a lot of tour all going on well i don't know this whole like <laughs> The people are like, oh, no, he said he's fine. I was like, okay, but that doesn't mean shit. I had an ankle sprain in high school. I was on crutches for two weeks. So I'm like, he's going to go just play a football game next week. (laughs) He thinks he is. 
He definitely. Well, I think he, he could is. play, but he's gonna like limp around. He's probably gonna overthrow or underthrow a couple balls because he can't play his foot all the way. Yeah, and, absolutely. Yeah. All right, I like it. I kind of like that take. My last take is an NBA take. Ooh, good. And Shane, I just have to say thank you because you know when the Trailblazers hired Chauncey Billups, I was looking for another team to root for. And I was in the group chat. I was like, you know, I'm not sure. And you came up with just the most beautiful, most perfect answer. And it was just right there in front of me. And I was just looking past it and rooting for the Memphis Grizzlies for the last few years has been so much fun. (laughs) And they are now back in the news. Our guy, Dylan Brooks is in the news. DB, you got to get a stylist, man. We got to, we got to hire Dylan Brooks, a stylist. That's the only real, the only real notes I have for him. You can't be sitting there in that black tank top given an interview but especially tucked in it's a tough look some of the real real tough did you see that like knitted outfit kyle kuzma was wearing the other day with like the mask i know that i don't get high fashion you know what i mean like i've always been very confused by high fashion but i feel like over the past couple years i'm just like whoa like there has to be a point like right before they go outside you know what i mean they're like they're looking at people like really this is actually cool right like this isn't a fucking joke if, but if I open this door and there's cameras on the other side, like everybody's getting fired and I'm, I'm somebody. punching somebody in the because face. like when Kuzma's putting that on, he has to be like, you know, OK, like checking price tags to be like, this, this is expensive because I look like a fucking moron. <laughs> Did you guys get Weird. this at Ross? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's that's just that's it. Memphis Grizzlies, fun team to root for. Really, really entertaining. All kinds of storylines, fun roster. Curious to see what they do here at the trade deadline. Uh, that'll be really interesting. Also curious to see what those darn Blazers do, but that is my to, last uh, take. Did you listen to the Bill Simmons episode where they talked with Vernon talking about the Grizzlies? Yes. The trade. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. I, I kind of agree that getting like an adult in the room there would be smart for them. So they need Jay Crowder. Experience play. I think, yeah, Jay Crowder, I think, would actually be like perfect. And he's just another trade, like, but yeah beefy body i mean they got a deep bench they could probably get let go of i don't know i like everybody on their roster like if, if it's like yeah. brandon clark in that trade i'd be that's, so sad that's the first name <laughs> that i thought of that's that's the one that makes the most sense because those are probably the minutes that crowder would be taking and mm-hmm. actually I, I like that trade for phoenix getting getting back a young springy power forward yeah because they're gonna have to go into like some morphe rebuild slash win now situation well, and it's going to get weird with our new owner coming in and the the NBA kind of forcing, you know, Sarver out as early as they did. But yeah, that, that situation could get interesting. Real, real interesting. But while we're on the topic of Dylan Brooks, just just sneak this in at the end here. And I think it's just something that we should tease for a future episode. Oh, we, I like, yes. Uh-huh, I know where you're going. On the Twitter page, we started a discussion about, and I was just kind of throwing it out there. I just kind of wanted to hear some opinions and it got a little weird in there for a minute. Um, you're good at that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh who oregon men's basketball goat is and uh some people are like well let's do the, why don't you talk about the women's let's just sabrina unescu you know conversation Done. over mother of ducklings so yeah. that's not a fun real topic no <laughs> uh, it's head- if we want to talk about like who the third or fourth best player is then i guess that is a little weird but then we have at least an episode more of a, if yeah i don't I don't use the the whole Mount Rushmore thing because Mount Rushmore is gross, but the whole like 
yeah, who's on your top four, top five, then yeah, that's a much more interesting conversation. Yeah, we, we could do that. But then I, I do think it's something that we should maybe address in one of like our summer episodes. I like, or it. As the I like this season idea. ends here. Mm-hmm. So yeah, just anybody out there. Uh, obviously, we have like some front runners in Ron Lee, Dylan Brooks, Peyton Pritchard, Luke Ridenauer, Aaron Brooks, Terrell Brandon. But if anybody out there just wants to build their argument for somebody, send it to me or you know on Twitter yeah, or please. the email or anything, and we can just get as many. We'll read it. We'll we'll give you credit for everything you say. Um, and we'll Shit, just have send me an audio. Yeah, send me an audio file, and I'll just throw you right in the pod. Or jump. We'll have Streamyard rocking, and you guys can jump right on here. That'd be yeah. Fun. And we'll just build some sort of kind of not open forum, but we'll we'll collect as much as we can and try and present an argument and uh, maybe pick the flock pods goat, because I don't know if we're going to find, it seems like it's down to like four and people are the Ron Lee stuff. Interesting though. How much Ron Lee basketball have you watched? I mean a little bit. My dad was a big Ron Lee fan. So like I used to, I used to watch YouTube clips and stuff like that. Not much recently more, you know, when I was younger, I but, couldn't I mean, find he it. Was, he was a baller, man. Total yeah, baller. A point guard. It was like six, four, two twenty seven, which, mm-hmm. Uh, is interesting that he's bigger than like any other point guard that would be considered on this list. And I mean, that's, yeah. um, Oregon has a history of small point guards. You're right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that would, that would be, I, I just couldn't find much footage of him because like the, his numbers are awesome, but I just kind of wanted to see some of it, but yeah. YouTube doesn't have a lot, but so if anybody out fun. there knows how to find footage of Ron Lee and some of these older players, also send that our way we might be able to get something from the u of o we could do like an archival request or something like that and see what we could get from him but yeah i think it's a fun conversation to have it's definitely an uh, a an impassioned conversation shane uh let's wrap up the podcast with this uh what episode of andor are you on four and a half halfway <laughs> through the fourth all right all right cruising it's along a, yeah I've, i'm getting through it it's it's a it's um it picks it's kind up of a slow burn yeah, it picks up here. You're on what four? So you're like halfway through the second arc. I'd say it picks up next episode and a half. I think you'll 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 start vibing on it, it even more. It goes like it starts off like pretty pedal to the metal. Like yeah. he, he walks down, he walks to that like saloon brothel thing, and then like you know shit just starts Murders happening. <laughs> and then it's a lot. Yeah, like kind of accidentally. I don't even think it was his fault. You know, no, like you're right. You're right. He was getting like right. he was about to get mugged, and they were like, yeah. yeah. But yeah, very much like it's a lot of when I'm watching, I'm like, man, this is so Western like with like the saloon slash brothel, a lot of like slow walking and people just kind of like side eyeing mm-hmm. and like, you know, this very much those kind of old school Western vibes. I, I dig it, though. Not as much I think like, it, <laughs> no, there's no. Yeah, not a single lightsaber in the thing. It takes a little bit more of like a born identity turn in like the last arc. Okay, I can kind, kind of, of more see that. like yeah, but I, I think I'm there's one scene in particular that I'm really excited to hear your opinion on, and just like I think I think you'll know what I'm talking about when it happens. But yeah, one just incredible acting performance. But all right, we've we've dilly dallied long enough with you beautiful people. Uh, as always, take care of your chicken, take care of your mentals. We appreciate you. We love you. We out. Peace. Sorry. Do you want to dance? Huh? Do you want to dance?